Having missed David Bremner at the flying show a few weeks ago, I eventually caught up with him calling his mobile via Skype. We all know what great strides microlighting has made in the last few years and what uh, relatively cheap fun it provides for thousands of aviators, uh, but today I wanted to find out more about what the governing body gets up to. So who better to speak to than one of the bigger cheeses at the British Microlight Aircraft Association? Uh, David Bremner, you are the chairman of the BMAA. Uh, yes, recently <laughs> re-elected, uh, uh, so yes I am. Uh, just to, to start with, can you give us a, a little bit of background and tell us what uh, exactly is the BMAA? Okay, the British Microlight Aircraft Association was set up in 1980 uh, to look after uh, a new breed of very lightweight uh, aircraft that, that sort of came below the radar of normal sport aviation. Uh, since then, uh, they have become a, uh, an approved body, and where initially these aircraft were completely unregulated, we've overseen the introduction of regulation to make them safer and, uh, and, uh, and uh, more consistent. And indeed, we've been consistently fighting over the years since 1980 to reduce the amount of regulation for, uh, for, for aircraft, for, for microlight aircraft, but uh, still keeping them uh, safe. Okay, you also uh, sort of represent microlight pilots, don't you, in front of like, the regulatory bodies and fight the corner of the microlight pilot? Yes, uh, I mean, that, that, that's all part of the same thing, that, that in addition to, to, to trying to campaign to, to make the, the regulation more proportional, um, we do do, uh, we, we represent our corner in all sorts of, of uh, regulatory environments. Uh, we, we, we deal with pilot licensing, uh, we look at airspace, uh, and, and we represent microlights uh, in all of those areas. And you have uh, an airworthiness system for, for microlight aircraft? Yes, indeed we do. This was introduced uh, as part of the regulatory system in, uh, in 1984. And so we, we have always dealt with the what they call the continuing airworthiness of aircraft. We've carried out regular inspections on microlights to make sure that they continue to be safe to fly. And then uh, we have also undertaken... Uh, an increasing amount of the initial certification of aircraft, both those built uh, by amateur builders uh, using, generally speaking, kits, but also uh, they can build them from plans, and also factory-built aircraft. And for members, you offer technical advice for sort of maintenance, safety, and the builders? Indeed, we do. Uh, it, it, uh, it, it's a question of you know, sometimes it's a question of dealing with the with the regulatory requirements, but but very often it's a question of collating the the information that we receive from our network of inspectors uh, and from the technical office who are uh, qualified and experienced aircraft engineers uh, and disseminating that information to our members so that they they can um, uh, continue to operate their aircraft as, as safely as possible. Okay, and so speaking of safety, uh, do you have like a, a team of safety officers that sort of go around the country and do you know, talks at aero clubs, etc.? We do. We have uh, we have a, a, a new uh, well, we have a, a safety officer, Pete Watson, who was who was fairly recently employed, um, 
who took over from his, his predecessor. But generally speaking, most microlite clubs will have a safety officer uh, appointed. And uh, the, the, the focal point for all of this is, is through Pete. But, but, but the, it, very often there can be um, you know, local discussions about safety issues if, for example, there's been an accident locally um, at club meetings, they'll, they'll discuss the issues involved with that particular accident to make sure that other people don't fall into the same trap. Uh, Pete also organises national um, safety forums uh, and, and safety days, uh, typically around about two or three a year, um, uh, to which people can fly in or drive in. And uh, they are a combination of education and entertainment, we hope, and provide, uh, A, a good day out, but also people come away with uh, a greater degree of knowledge about uh, how, to, how to fly safely. Uh, you have a, a team of uh, inspectors and check pilots, don't you, that go around and uh, obviously check over people's aircraft for... Uh Yes, that's right. It it was part of the system that was introduced in 1984 um, to to deal with with regular airworthiness. It's a standard system that's used on uh, on all aircraft in in one way or another. And for for the bulk of microlites now, uh, they are legally required to to have an annual inspection and a check flight. Um, and those are typically carried out by ourselves. Uh, um, there are microlites also managed by our sister organisation, the, the Light Aircraft Association, and um, we we, we uh, confer with them regularly and make sure that, um, that that what we what we do is consistent across both organisations. But as far as the BMAA is concerned, we have 170 odd inspectors uh, who provide these services either. Um, just for, for uh, some pin money or some of them are professional inspectors um, who will charge a, 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 a proper professional fee for it yeah. um, and uh, they will come and look over your aircraft uh, and make sure first of all that it complies with all the regulations it's all got all the necessary bits and pieces on it and that we haven't added unapproved parts to the aircraft and also overlook the condition of the aircraft make sure that it is it is safe to fly and usually they'll offer advice on the aircraft uh, and its maintenance and things that might be going to go wrong in the following year. Uh, I've been an inspector for both organizations for 20 something years and uh, one of the things I find is that uh, as an inspector I probably learn as much as the owner does Clearly, you, you can't be an expert on all the different types of microlite that are, are flying about, and people you know, have different problems that turn up through the year. So you act as a sort of focal point for the for the knowledge and experience on these aircraft, and and so you can you can disseminate that information through other owners of similar types. What would you say is the main aim of, uh, of the association? Is it is it to make uh, flying as as cheap as possible. I, I, I looked this up this morning in our objects in the in the articles of association, and the, uh, the the official wording is promote, administer, and encourage the development of and participation of the sport. Um, so, cheapness is not the is not the first thing 
uh, on the list. But it clearly it's an important element um, because it does help to encourage the the participation in the sport. Um, there's no way that microlighting is has is or ever has been elitist, and certainly to start with. Uh, the, the the low cost of microlighting was a very important part of uh, of what we what what we were, but these days there are there's an enormous range of of aircraft available to fly um, within the microlighting category. You can spend eighty thousand pounds on the top of the range you know, hot ship, but you can buy a, a very capable airworthy. Um, second-hand machine for probably a couple of thousand pounds. Uh, so while cheapness is um, you know, it, it's part of what we're trying to achieve, it's certainly not the be-all and the end-all. Uh, when I spoke to the, uh, the LAA, they uh, actually test new aircraft that are coming to the market. Do you do the same thing for microlights? Yes, we do. Uh, uh, the, 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 the testing is it's, it's an entire process. So we, we would look to start with at the overall design. We would look at the calculations submitted by the, the builder or the manufacturer and assess those. Uh, we would look then to, to witness uh, load tests on a prototype, again, to verify the, the overall strength of the structure. Um, and then finally, once all those are acceptable uh, against the standards that we apply, then uh, we will oversee the initial flight testing of the prototype. Um, and in the case of particularly home-built aircraft, we also will uh, take responsibility for the uh, initial flight testing of each of the uh, home-built aircraft because, of course, there's a, uh, there's a wider variation in build standards among uh, amateur-built aircraft than those uh, manufactured in the factory. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, you touched on the fact that you actually uh, administer the licensing for microlights. That's the NPPL. Yes, we do. Uh, yes, uh, exactly. We have. It's actually a, a, a separate company, legally speaking, but but in practice, it's it's administered within the, the Microlight Association office, uh, alongside other things, so that. Uh, when your you know, when your instruction is complete and the uh, instructor and the examiner have, have, have uh, indicated that you passed all the tests, you submit all of those papers to uh, to the BMA and they will um, go through them. And actually, what happens is that they recommend the issue of a pilot's license. It's the CAA who ultimately gives you the piece of paper, but we do all the donkey work. Uh, up to that point. Um, why should somebody join your association, David? Okay, uh, the, the the main thing obviously is that we, we offer um, some um, cost-effective products. Microlight Flying Magazine is the uh, is the thing that, that that's that, that it's the easiest thing to, to visualize. It's a monthly magazine uh, um, and it, it's all about microlighting and provide I'm uh, written um, so that although it's entertaining, uh, where there is important stuff to be disseminated, we will primarily disseminate it through Microlight Flying Magazine. A classic example would be uh, this last summer, 
the, the Olympics caused quite a bit of uh, changes, temporary changes to the airspace, uh, regulated airspace around London, and we were able to, to pass that on to our members through Microlife Flying. We do it other ways, but, but the Microlife Flying magazines are uh, a very popular way to do it. And as I say, it's, it's a very good read, and um, uh, people, you know, people certainly enjoy it. So that's, that's one thing that they'll get from that. It is a good um, magazine. I can vouch for that. I think it's one of the one of my favourite magazines. It's really well written and it's uh, it's very informal and uh, that's great. Worth worth paying your membership just for that. I would say. Steve, thank you. That's uh, I, I'll pass your comments on to <laughs> to our editor Jeff Hill, uh, yeah. but I would certainly endorse that. The other thing is that we we will renew. We would we can do if you own a microlight aircraft, we can we can do the permit renewal for you, um, and because it's it's an association run by enthusiasts, so on. Um, it works out a great deal cheaper than if you went direct to the CAA. So, in fact, I think, uh, I doubt there is anybody who, who would actually go to the CAA for a microlight permit because it, it, it wouldn't make any sense. So, certainly, if you're the owner of a microlight aircraft that, that needs a permit, then um, the BMAA uh, would be the, the obvious stop for that. Uh, other things that we do, we, uh, we organize events, and while they're not exclusively for members, um, certainly uh, members will, you know, will tend to get discount, discounts and so on. Uh, the Round Britain Rally will be running again this year. Um, we, we have other rally events uh, available, and the other big thing that we organize is the, the flying show at the NEC in Birmingham, which is a big trade fair uh, over, the, over the weekend, usually the last weekend in November or the first in December. And uh, so membership will get you a discount uh, into the flying show. We are looking at expanding the range of products available to members. Uh, in the past, membership has been uh, a matter of supporting a new and fairly sort of fragile uh, community of microlighting. Now, uh, you know, it's been in existence for 30 years. It's very well established. It's uh, you know, extremely well organized. And we believe that, that what we need to do is to look at a, 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 a additional uh, products in order to, to ensure that, that everybody who, who participates in microlighting is also a member of the association. While... Uh, an extremely important part of what we do is to to deal with the regulators to try and limit regulation to try and interface with the authorities to make sure that that our view is is put across effectively uh, it, it may not be um, the first thing people think of when they they are asked to fork out um, the, the membership fee uh, for microlights, and so we would like to be able to offer even more products for them in order to encourage them in. The weight limit in the UK uh, is set to 450 kilograms uh, max weight, isn't it? Why yes. was it set at that originally? Um, it seems a little arbitrary to me because it seems as if, uh, as I fly microlights myself, it's always a struggle to, to get two folks in with, with full fuel and fly legally. Would it not be easier the, just to up the limit? Uh, the answer is that uh, the weight limit has increased over the years. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the very first definition of a two-seat microlight was an empty weight, if I remember correctly, of 150 
50 kilos. Uh, then it changed to a maximum all-up weight of 390 kilos, uh, and that was increased to 450 kilos. So there is always, always pressure on on the authorities to increase the weight limit, uh, and it's a simple pressure because clearly designers always design to uh, the weight limit. There's, there's no point in building a... a a 390 kilo aircraft if you can build a bigger and better one to uh, to a 450 weight limit um, because uh, the, the the overheads of designing the aircraft are much the same whether it's a uh, you know, whatever weight it is and so if you build a, a bigger faster flashier machine you can charge more for it and spread the overheads uh, and so there will always be this pressure to try and uh, to expand the the weight limit. The reason that uh, it's it's set, the, 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 there are two uh, two interlinked factors here: the weight and the uh, the stall speed. And what that gives you is a if you limit the maximum weight and you limit the maximum stall speed, then if you have an accident, the aircraft will will be flying more slowly than for a faster, heavier aircraft and will do itself and therefore the occupants less damage. Right. And that's the primary justification for the microlight category is that it is light enough and slow enough that if you have an accident, it's, it's less likely to, to, to hurt you and therefore you can get away with uh, a, uh, an uncertified engine and, and so on and a simplified set of airworthiness regulations. If you move right up the scale to an airliner, uh, the regulations are very, very complicated and um, the way of operating them is extremely comp complicated. If you look at the, um, the regulations BCAR Section S, which are the ones generally used for designing microlites, they are they're very, very simple. They require much less in the way of design approval and so on. Uh, and it's all around the fact that the thing is light and relatively light and slow. Um, that said, of course, there is one exception to the 450 kilo rule. If you fit a ballistic parachute, an approved ballistic parachute installation, um, because of the additional safety uh, given you by the, um, the parachute, they will allow the um, the maximum wall-up weight to increase to 472.5. Um, I'm going to ask you a, sort of, uh, a much broader question now, Dave, about the, the future of light aviation. Can you tell me what, what you see as the, the issues facing GA and, and microlighting in particular and uh, what are the likely solutions over the next I don't know, four or five years? Okay. As far as general aviation is concerned, the, the answer is, is very much now in the hands of the Eurocrats in Brussels. They are gradually taking over more and more of the um, of the control of uh, general aviation. But uh, microlights, of course, fall below that that radar. They're exempted from EASA control and will continue to do so for the for the foreseeable future. Um, so, as far as general aviation is concerned. It, it, it's, it's very difficult to predict how 
how Brussels will will behave. Uh, the the process of introducing regulation is complex and convoluted. Uh, in fact, some people would call it positively Byzantine. And what comes out at the end of it doesn't necessarily uh, follow very closely what it is that we would like to see. Yeah. And while a lot of people within um, EASA, which is the European body that deals with these things, uh, are saying the right things about sport aviation, you have to say that what actually ter- turns out at the other end um, may be considerably different. Hmm. For microlites, uh, the, the system is much simpler because we fall below the radar for EASA. Uh, I think it's unlikely in the foreseeable future that we will come under EASA's control simply because there are so many of us operating under a very, very wide variety of different types of national regulation uh, and with uh, an enormous variety of different types of aircraft and if um, and the ARSA would just simply get drowned in detail if they if they tried to take us on so for us uh, while we certainly look over our shoulder at what is happening to the ARSA, our primary uh, point of contact it will continue to be the CAA and what I would say is that uh, over the past five years and continuing on into the future, we have been building um, a much more cooperative relationship with the CAA. The CAA does recognize that microlighting does look after itself pretty well. They have also recognized that having uh, inspectors or surveyors from the CAA looking at, at what we do in detail is not necessarily the best way of, of, of helping things to go forward. And so we are working with them to, uh, to devolve the, the detailed administration of powered sport aviation from the CAA down to the uh, the sporting organisations, uh, typically ourselves and the Light Aircraft Association. So I would see, uh, in particularly in terms of microlighting, uh, over the next five years, that devolution process really starting to, to gather momentum. And so we would hope that while you know, we, we, we need to have a degree of regulation, um, that it will be sensitive and proportional and administered by people who, who understand microlites and microliters uh, and deal with it in a sympathetic way. We already have a good deal of proportional regulation so that while we've been talking about inspecting uh, and uh, doing regular permits on microlites, those are the two-seat ones and the heavier single-seat microlites, but for lightweight single-seat microlites, that's a process you don't need to go through because they are intrinsically so safe. And then microlite, you actually don't even need a pilot's license uh, at all. So we already have um, uh, a good a good model, I think, or good starting point for the model for proportional regulation. And as I say, we now have the encouragement of the CAA to try and help us to 
take over more of the day-to-day administration um, of the uh, of the whole process of regulation, with them providing uh, a higher level overview, just looking at, for example, you know, our safety record and whether we keep within our systems and that sort of thing, but not getting involved in the nitty-gritty of exactly what inspections we carry out or what qualifications somebody has or uh, you know, details of technical changes and things like that because they recognize that we, we have um, the best technical resources to, to deal with that uh, ourselves. It could be a model that uh, government could take, couldn't it, and uh, leave it to the, uh, the people that know what they're doing? <laughs> well, in, in, uh, they, they do say that. Uh, you know, the, 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 there is this idea of proportional regulation. It's very much embedded in, in government at the highest level, but it's not always easy to, uh, to administer it. And um, so, uh, and, and indeed, I think, you know, as far as we're concerned, we would like to try and get the process moving faster. Uh, but inevitably, you know, in the way of these things, it, it takes longer than you think. But we are at least heading in, in the right direction. I was reading in the, the magazine that uh, your role uh, with regard to the CAA has never actually been formalized. So, I don't know, was it this like a gentleman's is, agreement or something? Uh, that's, that's broadly speaking true. Uh, it dates from the um, setting up of the PFA in 1948 when um, it didn't seem worth for what was a tiny organization then setting up a, uh, a specific uh, uh, approval process and so on. So it was done on a, uh, a more or less ad hoc basis. Uh, and. Uh, that continued when the BMAA was formed in 1980. Um, and in fact, we are now um, in the process of discussing with the CAA the introduction of a sporting organization approval standard against which we will be audited. Um, and I'm delighted that, that's, you know, that, that that process is underway because what it means is that uh, when the CAA comes to audit us, they will have a much more precise set of uh, a precise document uh, against which to judge our performance. That's, that, I hope, is how it will, will turn out in the end anyway. Um, and as I say, the, 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 the uh, consultation process is ongoing, um, and I know that the, the CAA hopes to have it in place during uh, 2013. How do you think microlighting will will uh, perform over the next few years and what, what do you think is the biggest threat to, uh, to f- people taking up flying in general? I mean, for, for me, uh, as an example, I mean, I moved from, uh, from Group A just because the cost was ridiculous down to microlights because I thought it was a bit more acceptable. And uh, did, you, did you find that that was actually the case, that the costs reduced very significantly when you moved to microlighting? Yes. Good. Delighted to hear it. So it's worked for me and... Um, We've already seen um, uh, a, a lot of people like yourself migrate from GA to microlites, um, particularly when the, the weight limit increased to 450 kilo, because at that point, the, the microlite performance started to match and very often even um, uh, improve on uh, the performance of the, the GA fleet that was, generally speaking, available. And I, I imagine that uh, a substantial part of that migration is now complete. Uh, I think f- 
probably for the first time in its history, we we now have a a, a stable format. Um, the, 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 there are going to be no changes in the weight limit. There are going to be uh, no changes in the basic definition of a microlite, and that's because uh, that definition uh, is embedded in the um, European uh, regulations. So that if we if we decided to change to to a higher weight limit, then suddenly we'd all come under uh, European regulation, which is something we you know we clearly would like to avoid. Um, so, I, I, as I say, the the, the 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 format of microlighting is now, I believe, mature, and what we need to do uh, is to to find a way of keeping people's interest. Uh, we already have mostly instructors, but but uh, in some cases private individuals who are helping um, newer members of the association, newer pilots, to expand their skills from just flying around the field to you know, getting across to the next county or going up to Scotland. And uh, there are a lot of people who will you know, do regular tours around Europe in a, you know, a bunch of them, maybe half a dozen aircraft all going at once, which is, no, is clearly a good thing. But I think in, for the long-term health of the sport, we have to find a way of uh, encouraging manufacturers to produce new models at regular intervals. So far, the um, provision of new models has been, to a large extent, driven by the changes in regulations, by the increases in, in, uh, in the weight limit and so on. And, and filling that new niche has absorbed microlite manufacturers and tempted them to produce new models. Um, but we need to develop a, a, uh, a situation a bit like motorcycling, where there are uh, no, there's no changes to the regulations, but, but there are new models, improved models, changes to models, new additions to models that will keep people's interest up. Um, and that's certainly something that we're, we're very interested in, in encouraging. Uh, one of the ways in which the BMAA is is taking part in that is to to start to take over the supervision of microlite manufacturers. Manufacturing a microlite is a, is 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 very very expensive, or at least uh, there are a, a huge number of overheads that you have to to deal with, and one of those overheads is the cost of certification. Um, of, of approval of your, your manufacturing process by the CAA and we are starting now to um, to accompany the uh, the CAA on the audits that they do and become involved in the process with the expressed intention that uh, we will be able to to do that on behalf of the CAA in future at considerably less cost and we hope with um, with a greater degree of understanding of how microlites work in practice. Um, and we hope that that will encourage more people to become microlite manufacturers and to reduce the cost of introducing new models uh, onto the market. So that's, that's what BMA is doing in order to, to try and move that process along. How do you uh, look upon the advent of uh, LSAs? Do you think they will sort of uh, cannibalise the, the microlite market at all? I think uh, the jury is still out on that. 
the administration of European LSAs uh, is still very much uh, at an early stage of discussion. Uh, As I say, we keep a close eye on what they're doing, but my best guess is that Europe being Europe, uh, there will you know, the, 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 the level of regulation uh, and the, the, the difficulty of regulation will continue to be an issue for for that category of aircraft, and that there will continue to be a a need for for the microlight category with with people you know, being able to to uh, to look after their own aircraft with a much greater degree of of independence than they would do with an LSA. Of course, there are uh, no, the, 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 the other, other types of microlite, uh, the single seats, the, the, the deregulated single seats and the foot-launched microlite, which will continue to provide, we hope, uh, a forum for low-cost experimentation because there's, there's no need for approval of the design for either of those categories. They provide a, a way in which you can produce uh, an aircraft at, with, with, we hope, minimum overheads. In fact, one of the things that is uh, that's a very interesting development uh, at the moment is that, uh, as you may well know, that there's a lot of interest in electrically powered aircraft. Certainly, it's something that, that fascinates me. And currently, uh, the definition of a deregulated single-seater is effectively rules out the possibility of producing a deregulated electric aircraft. And that's because when the regulations were drawn up, they were uh, only designed, or they only envisaged normal internal combustion engines. But there is a change being mooted, um, and I think I can safely say it's, it's being supported by the CAA to allow the uh, the designer of a deregulated single-seater to call the weight of the batteries fuel. Hmm. And under those circumstances, that, because of the way the regulations work, that makes it uh, much easier for them to manufacture uh, a deregulated electric single-seater. And I very much hope that, that you know, uh, as and when that's introduced, it will encourage manufacturers in the UK, very small manufacturers in the UK, to start looking at electric-powered, lightweight single-seaters, which would be a really exciting development. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Dave. Uh, before you go, just give us your contact details. Uh, how can people find the, uh, the BMAA? Okay. The, the website is uh, www.bmaa.org, uh, and the, um, the phone number is 01869 double three double eight double eight that's great i'll put those links on uh, the flying podcast website but uh, thank you again dave oh my pleasure good to talk to you steve cheers cheers bye david bremner of the bmaa well an interesting overview of the microlite market there interesting times ahead especially with the advent of uh, lsas under iasa's jurisdiction and the prospects of uh, electric powered aircraft even in the deregulated sector Anyway, it's good to see a team of enthusiasts working to help keep aviation not just alive, but also flourishing in the UK. If you'd like to know more, have a look at the BMAA's website. As ever, these details are all to be found on the Flying Podcast website at flyingpodcast.co.uk. Well, that's it for episode 61. Thanks for listening. I'll speak to you again soon.